Hello, hello, and welcome back to the State of the Fandom. I am your host with the most, Neil Fox, your president of Time and Space, and with me as always is... Uh, hello, I'm Link Labrador. How is everyone doing through Time and Space? Well, hopefully not falling into a black hole and being spaghettified. Well, so what is our topic for today, Mr. Labrador? We've been talking about many, 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 <clears throat> many, many topics this morning, as we always do. Uh, as I have said before... <laughs> We could spend the next thousand years podcasting, oh, and yes. we would never run out of things to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, we have a couple of different uh, potential options for topics today. Uh, we've been talking about our ideas for education. We've been talking about our ideas for uh, beautification of our cities in America, things like... Um, greenery. Things like greenery. That would be an excellent topic, actually. So, uh, what are some of your ideas... Uh, inspired by our surroundings in D.C. We're currently in a Tesla in D.C., driven by our wonderful friend who has asked not to be on the podcast, so I assume he's not going to say anything, but uh, we appreciate him being here anyway. Uh, so I have been inspired, and then I'll let you talk, I'm sorry. I, I have been inspired being here in D.C., seeing the greenery around us. I have never seen such a green city in the United States. And when I say green, I don't necessarily mean environmental. I mean just trees everywhere. For my own purview, you have to be in New England to see this kind of scenery. Yes. I feel like I'm at home here. Well, you are, because this city was built around the same time as the other cities in New England, like Pennsylvania, uh, sorry, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Boston, Westbrook, your yes. hometown. That these cities were all built around the same time. And so, of course, they look relatively the same. Yeah. Now, My house that I grew up in is 120 years old. Right. Now, the country is only 300 years old. Well, that's half of the United States. There you go. Yes. Your, your home is half of the country's age. Yes. Now, here's the question. How can we bring this kind of beautification, this kind of uh, green spaces, I assume so, yes. Our, our, silent, our silent driver is letting us know that it is the Pentagon, yes. We are driving past the Pentagon, my dear. Would you like to work there? Uh, yes. I wonder if they have any dog trainers there. Uh, they probably do. They probably do, yes. Um, uh, that's another thing for our listeners to know. Uh, Mr. Labrador is thinking about becoming a dog trainer for the U.S. military. And I, this is a position that I'm sure that he would thrive in. Yes, I would. So, Sorry, I'm just in awe and wonder at the giant buildings. <laughs> uh, we, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but just driving around D.C. and seeing things like the Washington Monument out the window or the Capitol building lit up at night is just delightful. It gives me so much joy. <laughs> now, it's just awe-inspiring. Here's what I'm thinking in terms of uh, in terms of bringing greenery, bringing green spaces to the rest of the country. So, one, let's talk about the research first. There is very clear, very, very clear evidence, both from the United States, Europe, Australia, Japan, all of these other countries where they have studied what happens to people's mental health when there are green spaces or not green spaces in their town? So, for example, maybe a town is interested in building green spaces, and so they, uh, oh, 
I believe that would be the Arlington Cemetery, right? Yeah. Yep. Thank you, Silent Driver. I appreciate it. Uh, the, uh, the I can tell by the, all the white headstones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Anyway, uh, what they have found is that when these green spaces are built, on average, the mental health and the happiness of the people in the town goes up. Now, imagine if that was your entire life, and not, you know, built when you were 30 years old, but, you know, whenever you walk to school, whenever you drive to work, whenever you bike to work, there's just trees everywhere, and grass, unsurprisingly, a species that evolved on the African savanna, surrounded by trees and grass, prefers to be around trees and grass, and not concrete. Uh-huh. It's almost like the New England states are happier for some reason. I can't imagine why. Well, well uh, they do have absurdly more money than the states where I'm from, like Arkansas. The, 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 the wealth disparity between Arkansas and New England is absurd. It is. It really is. Yes. So, that's the research. I, I would have to go into, um, you know, some more studies. I, I, have, I haven't studied it in a while, but I would have to go in and look at the studies in more specific to, to find out exactly why that is. But the, the evidence is very clear, and basically every scientist agrees on this topic. Trees, good for people's mental health. Grass, good for people's mental health. And by the way, if you have trees and grass, you can have more pets. Yes. Like we see in D.C. We see pets all the time. We see large dogs. We see goldens everywhere. You don't see that in Los Angeles. No. You because... You see chihuahuas or... Because there are not as many green spaces in Los Angeles. And so you can't have a golden retriever in Los Angeles as easily. So anyway, the point is, the research is very clear. So now, how do we... When we become the president and vice president, how do we bring these things to the rest of the country? What what are some of your ideas, Mr. Labrador? Well, Labrador is for everyone. Yes, absolutely. One Labrador per child. Okay, next question. <laughs> uh, here's what I'm thinking, okay? Yeah, we just send out a million stuffies. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> yes, what about, what about this, okay? Because we're going to do our show, the Presidential Puppy Playtime Hour from the Oval Office, where we will have our uh, our beautiful set, where we bring in puppies every day yep. and explain difficult concepts like, you know, physics, science, chemistry, all, all of these difficult subjects. But who wouldn't want to watch a show explaining these subjects, but on half of the screen are just puppies playing and enjoying themselves? That sounds delightful. Yeah. So, here's what we'll do, okay? Everyone knows the address of the White House. So, how about, because remember we were going to do the, the postcards where, where kids can send postcards in without yep. any postage cost? Yeah. So we'll say, yes, just send in one of these presidential puppy postcards. You know, you can print it out at home on a presidential postage printer. Of course, we'll send them the printer for free as well. So they can print a postcard to send to the White House for free. The printer is free. The postage is free. The paper is free. And so, they will be able to communicate with their government when they, from the age of five years old. What better way to get kids involved in civic engagement? Now, at the end of some of the shows, why don't we say, send a postcard that says, I would like a puppy, please. Mm. And we will send them back 
a stuffed animal Labrador. Yes. And then they can watch our show holding their stuffed Labrador. What a wonderful symbol for the country of we are helping the children, we are helping the world. And uh, I believe that we are at our destination. So thank you so much, silent uh, and anonymous driver. We greatly appreciate your beautiful Tesla. And uh, if there's anything that you would like to plug, you are more than welcome to do so. Oh, see, he's, he's giving us a thumbs up. So he would like to plug uh, positivity for everyone. That yes. sounds great. Well, thank you so much. And uh, we will continue the podcast episode after this commercial break. And we are back from our commercial break. Thank you so much. I hope that you buy lots and lots of Raid Shadow Legends or whatever it is on our uh, on our ads today. Exactly. If it was Raid Shadow Legends, uh, I actually don't recommend you buy their product. Now I'm sure they won't ever sponsor us again for me saying that, but it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a crappy mobile game. It really is, honestly. Bethesda, reach out. I'll I'll advertise the hell out of Fallout Shelters all day long. He loves love Fallout, Fallout Shelter. Shelters. Oh my god. That's actually, you know what? That's what we should do. Here's what we'll do. We'll go over to Bethesda, Maryland. It's not very far away. Yeah. We'll just walk into their office and say, hey, we would like to do a uh, a, a, co, uh, a co-production a co deal. We want to advertise Fallout Shelters there. Talk we tower. want to advertise Fallout Shelter for you. Oh, and how lovely that we're driving past the wonderful monuments as we go. Yes. That is that just... a lovely helicopter right there. Of course. Uh, no president on board this time. President flies in sets of three, four, five, seven, whatever. Usually, if there's a hundred helicopters in the air, it's either the president flying by or the world's ending. Either one, it's going to be an interesting podcast, at the very least. How we'll live stream? We'll live stream the end of the world on TikTok. We'll live stream the end of the world on TikTok. Absolutely. So, <laughs> our, our topic for today is talking about green spaces in cities. Yes. And. Uh, so we, I've talked about some of my ideas of how we can uh, how we can improve green spaces in the United States. And again, green, unfortunately, is a word that has been tarnished by 50 years of political arguing. When I am talking about green spaces, I am talking about literally green. I'm talking about trees. I'm talking about flowers. I'm talking about bees and birds and happy, happy puppies. I am not yes. talking about Greenpeace and all of these other organizations that exist primarily just to make money. Did you know that carbon credits are a scam? I did know that. Honest Howie. Now, if you want a non-scam, Honest Howie's carbon credits is a completely legitimate and completely honest non-satire piss take of the carbon credit line. Now, here's another question. Since we're talking about things like green spaces and all of that, how could we actually remove carbon from the atmosphere instead of just selling carbon credits to make people feel good? How do we remove carbon from the atmosphere? Well, what is a tree? What is algae? What is a tree? Excellent question. A tree is a biological machine that takes carbon out of the atmosphere and turns it into wood, a very useful material. Now, why aren't we having giant fuck-off barges off the coast of the United States where we're just planting trees? Now, in it would not be efficient to plant trees on barges, but to do algae on barges would be easy. Well, you wouldn't even need barges to do it. You would just have to section off an area. Well, here's how you do it 
efficiently and you knock out about an entire flock of geese with a punt gun. Okay. Here's how you do it. You use a nuclear reactor to power it. You get a desalination plant. Always nuclear reactors with you. You get a desalination plant. Mm -hmm. You build the barges. You integrate. Basically, you're using hydroponics to build trees. Okay. Or you're just growing trees. Or, 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 you, you, could, just... or you could build algae plants and you don't have to have desalination because they don't need fresh water. That well, grows in the ocean, darling. Well... Here's why you'd want the desalination. Because you would have an excess of water. Oh, yes. And then you have a reason to build a desalination plant. Fair enough. You have power for the desalination plant. Sure. Then you can use the excess water, grow the trees on the barge mm -hmm. with all the soil and nutrients and everything. Okay. And now you have a portable water source that you can ship pipe back to the mainland. I California, like... to California, take the hint. This is a good idea. California, take notes. Uh, yes, I really like this idea, and let me tell you why. I want you to imagine, what if we had enough power, whether from nuclear, solar, wind, whatever, if we had enough power being generated exactly where it was needed, okay? P power being generated on these barges or on these floating cities of the future. Imagine if there was so much power being generated that we could run as many desalination plants as necessary uh -huh. with carbon pollution free power. No carbon pollution from a wind farm. No carbon pollution from a solar farm. No carbon pollution, at least a very small amount, from a nuclear reactor. And therefore, that would mean that we could run as many desalination plants as we need. Why don't we just pump it into the aquifer directly? Why don't we just pump water directly into the aquifer? There you go, California. Now you have enough water for the next 10,000 years. You're welcome. Yes, California, you have the money to do it. You do. You just don't have the willpower to do it. So you I will do the, it for you. You don't have the spine backbone because it you would vote be to... it would be hard oh we, we we're going to run out of water and, and then california is going to turn into a desert well you know that would be much more expensive than just fixing the problem yes oh we don't have the money well if you don't have any water and people cannot live in your state then you will have no money you will have no tax revenue you will have nothing so instead of having nothing, how about you fix the problem before you turn your country into Fallout 3? And that is my soapbox for yes. today. Fallout 3. Thank you. Thank you, Fallout 3. For giving Fallout us... 3 was put in California, right? No. Which one was in DC. California? Uh, let's Fallout 1 or 2. I don't remember. Okay, but anyway, the point is... Uh, 1, 2, and Fallout Tactics brushed upon the issues of um, California. Mm -hmm. Wasteland 3, a uh, Wasteland 2 also deals with California. Absolutely. So, do you want do you want your California green coastline to become a apocalyptic wasteland port city? Somehow, I think that most people would not want that. Well, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. If it collapses and if it's just a port city with desert around it, mm -hmm. well, now the United States has another desert. Yay, us! Oh, 
Uh, so you're telling me that we could eliminate about 75% of the issues caused by the Democratic Party by just letting California become a wasteland? Hmm, delightful. Now, let me be clear for our listeners. I am not a Republican. I am not a Democrat. I am a rationalist. I am a realist. I live in the real world, not yeah. in a political world built by idiots. And so, when I say, oh, that's a lot of problems created by the Democratic Party. You better believe I'm also going to say there's a lot of problems created by the Republicans as well. Yeah, the Republicans and the Democrats are two, are two sets of bickering children wanting to do what is best for their political party. Yes. They uh, want, here's how, the, here's how the politics system works. Yes. It's not, oh, we need to give discounts to farmers because we like farmers. No, we give discounts to farmers because farmers vote for us. Therefore, they get kickbacks. Absolutely. As a voting block. Yes. Children absolutely. do not vote, therefore their opinion is irrelevant. Even though school departments hold mock elections every single time there is an election, at least in New England. I don't know they, about the rest of the country. Uh, so student government is an excellent tool, and it is a tool that is being severely, severely underfunded and underutilized. Here's what I want to do. Do you remember my proposal about the, depart uh, the Federal Department of the Far Distant Future? Yes. Now, here is my proposal for those on the podcast who may not have heard of it yet. I want to create a $100 billion a year federal agency, and the amount of money that will be paid into the federal agency will go up according to inflation, plus $1 billion a year, until all human and puppy suffering has been eliminated. Yes. Now, that means that in a year with 10% inflation, the budget would go up from 100 billion to 110 billion. Yes. Now, I want the leader of this organization, this department, a new federal department with a seat on the cabinet. I want a I want this federal department to be led by an elected student body president. I want the best student body president in the country. I want them to be the leader and I want this department to be led by a person no older than 25 years old because every college student in America, generally speaking, is 18 to 22. Mm -hmm. If they are a master's degree student, they might be 24, but they will not be 25 unless they started late in life, which is perfectly fine, but they would, if a person is over the age of 25, they are not eligible to run this agency. I want someone, even just one person, in the cabinet, on, in the situation room, in every single important cabinet meeting who is under the age of 25, because I want the rights, I want the vision, and I want the civil uh, the civil liberties of these children to be protected. And a person under the age of 25, darling, imagine a person 18 years old sitting with us in the Situation Room and giving their unique perspective. And again, we are electing a person who's a student body president, so they have been voted for by their school. And then they are voted for by the entire country. Yes. By every single student body president, every student body president would have one vote. They would have one vote for who would lead this federal agency. And so it would be a federal agency not led by someone appointed by me. It would be led by someone appointed by the students. And what better way to encourage a new generation of wonderful public servants than by saying, you 
you, student body president from Des Moines, Iowa. You, student body president from South Dakota. You can be the leader of a $100 billion federal agency whose sole purpose is to eliminate suffering. I think that that is the way to create a new generation of public servants. And we are about to arrive at our destination. Thank you so much to our wonderful driver for driving us safely. And uh, of course, you. you will be getting a seven out of five star review. Uh, thank you very, very much for your excellent service. And thank you so much to everyone for listening. And we will now go into another commercial break. Well, and here we are on the streets of <laughs> Washington, D.C. We just checked out the office experience. Uh, hopefully we'll be going inside the building next time, but it looks quite interesting. Uh, I'm curious why it says FBI on all of these traffic cones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hmm, don't say that every day. FBI burned a traffic cone. Yeah. I think that's an FBI building. <gasps> oh my god. Hello. So we have determined why there's so many FBI traffic cones. It's because the building directly across from us is an FBI building. Probably the FBI headquarters in D.C., I would assume. Why do they have netting on the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth? Why do they have netting on the windows on the ninth floor? I have no idea. But the reason why the architecture looks the way that it is is because it was built in what is called a brutalist style of architecture. Do you know what that means? I can hazard a guess that they want the building to look mean, large, and intimidating. Yes, and it was built during that time of history, when new buildings were built in this style, which was around uh, the 1960s, if I'm not mistaken. It was yes. a largely Soviet-inspired form of architecture. Now, shall we continue to the yes. monument, my and dear? And those are reinforced concrete columns. Wow. Oh, wow. You can see where the rebar goes in. That's so cool. The fucking rebar. Okay. Well, uh, they do not fuck around. Thank you, FBI. No. Uh, should, okay, I have a suggestion. Should we cross the street and ask this person if he works for the Female Body Inspection Agency? You know what? No, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I would like to ask him, why is there netting on the ninth floor? Up to you. And we have bells going off in the background for some reason. Sure. Oh my god. Look at that. It is a giant symbol of the FBI on the door. How exciting. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. You mean the seal? The official seal? Yes, the official seal. Okay. Built like three feet wide. Wow. I love it here. Every place that we go, there is something new and interesting to see. That's where the bells are coming from. The church. Ah, the National Cathedral. Yes. Yes. Do you know about the National Cathedral? Um, I do not, but... I don't know much about it, but since the bells are ringing, it may be open. That would be a fun thing to check out. Let's pop our nose in and see if we can get access. Let's find out. I'd love so, to find out what's going on here. This <laughs> interesting. I would just like to point out that my wonderful husband is more at home when there are police sirens in front of us, FBI behind us, and church bells ringing in our ears. Uh, that is his comfortable space. <laughs> Thank you, ADHD. Thank you. Well, you got the pretty lights. The, the, pretty, the pretty lights? Of yeah. the police cars? Yes! Okay. 
Hopefully they're not doing something boring, like a traffic stop. Hopefully not. Wow! Oh my god! I love this place. That is beautiful! Okay, I have to take a picture of this. Holy shit! Oh, there goes an armored car. Of course. Oh my god! Of course, it's a Ford! So, so I like this, I like this thought, okay? That we basically built this town in the European style. And do you know one of the reasons why it is so efficient? Because the European model for hundreds of years was built to support people. Built to support people and not cars. And in addition, this was a planned city. I don't know how much you know about the history of DC, but the capital of the United States was originally Philadelphia. Yeah. And then they decided that because Philadelphia was so crowded, and you know, very funny because, you know, it was not anywhere near as crowded as it was today, but they decided that it was too crowded. And so they built a new city out of nothing. They built it out of a swamp. Literally a swamp. Yes. And so, they were able to build the city in a grid pattern, for example. And they were able to build the city with people in mind from the ground up instead of trying to build around all the buildings that were already there. How wonderful! How fantastic! Why do we not have a hundred DCs in America built in the middle of Nevada or built in the middle of Washington State or the middle of Missouri. I just planned cities in this model with beautiful 
stone and wood architecture built in the style of our founders. That would be wonderful, not just for the country, not just for the homeless, not just for the people that would be given jobs to build these cities. It would be wonderful for the mental health of the citizens of that future city. So, Agreed. Yes. Yes, it would be wonderful for the habitation of our glorious citizens. Yes, indeed. So tell me what you just said about the National Mall, my dear. I, to my knowledge, when I think National Mall... To your knowledge? I'm sorry, continue. To my knowledge, the National Mall is a physical mall that you go in and purchase items from. Darling! Am I wrong? Darling! That is so wrong! It's, okay. That is so funny! Oh my god! No! It is not a... It is not a shopping mall! I thought it was! Shopping malls were not invented until the year, I think it was like 1920, my dear. Then why is it called the National Mall? Because the word mall has a longer history than just a shopping mall. Well, A shopping <laughs> mall is a two-word phrase, meaning mall for shopping a mall from my understanding is generally just a place where there are buildings and open space if i am not mistaken well mall has many meanings one that comes to mind a mall is a weapon used so, in so, medieval so, times. so let me let me see if i understand you correctly you thought you are you are 28 years old yes and from the time that you had the, the ability to understand what a national mall was, I assume when you were around seven years old and learned about it in civics class, you thought that it was a mall like the Mall of America. Yes, I did. Oh my god. No! Well... The center of D.C. is not a shopping center! That would be horrible! <laughs> oh my god! No! Well, I was wrong. That is so goddamn funny. <laughs> what the fuck? It said something... Andrew Mellon Auditorium? I don't know, some type of auditorium. I'm, I'm glad they have battle axes. They have battle axes? Battle axe, battle axe, battle axe, battle axe, battle axe. Gilded in gold for some reason and spears. Oh, you're right. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know. We have a lot of learning to do about DC. We have and, so much to learn. And that's not solid gold either. That's gold leaf. Of course, dear. They would not just put $17 million worth of gold out on the street. Well... Even DC is not that stupid. Well... They're not as stupid as the Saudi princes, my dear. <laughs> well, they can afford it. <laughs> they could. They could. But and it would get... Do. They could, but it would get stolen every five minutes. So it would not be a one-time $17 million expense. It would be a $17 million expense every day to replace it. Oh. Okay. Okay, let's see. What does this say? What is this? It says, Federal Triangle Heritage Trail from Workers to Environment. Okay. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency 
whose permission is to protect human health and the environment, has occupied the majority of offices in this block since 2001. Oh, very recently then. Okay. EPA West, this building, and the Mellon Auditorium, which we just passed, the EPA East building share one continuous monumental facade designed by Arthur Brown Jr. The projecting temple in front of the auditorium, colonnades at both ends, and generous sculptures. <laughs> Colonnade? Uh, Wait, what word did they use? Colonnade, dear, not pollinate. I said... You said pollinate. I want clarification. Do, do you think that there are plants pollinating each other in front of the EPA? I mean, there are plants here, so yes. Uh, originally housed the Department of Labor. Its most prominent sculptures are about American labor. Okay, interesting. One well, other. this... Hold on one second. This is an important symbol, dear. This is an important... May I speak, please? This is an important symbol. Yes. How fascinating that we have replaced the location of the Department of Labor with the EPA. I do not hate the EPA. I think their mission is a good mission. But I do think it is disgraceful that the EPA has replaced the Department of Labor. The Department of Labor, in my opinion, is more important because it's where people work. Yes. Wow. How fascinating. Absolutely. See, this is one reason why we are such a good team. You just said the phrase, I am not a man of facts, I am a man of action. And I am definitely a man of facts, absolutely. And so, together, we make an excellent team. A team that is focused on both facts and action. How wonderful. So, I have no idea what that building is, but I can see the beauty. the spy building? I don't think We've so. We've passed it a couple times. Darling, I don't think so. I think it is a different building because the spy building is an upside-down pyramid. This is a three-tiered upside-down pyramid. This is the Smithsonian, darling. Watch out, watch out, watch out. Okay. Now, I don't know if that is part of the Smithsonian, but I assume it is probably part of the Smithsonian. Well, I have a suggestion. Let's... Ooh. What's this? Mm -hmm. What is it? What All do you this... see, Sir Labrador? I got distracted by shiny and a park. <laughs> of course you did. That my husband is perhaps the most dog-like person in the world. Uh, pups, you ain't got nothing on this guy. Uh, <laughs> I've met a lot of human pup cosplayers. And human pup cosplayers will put on an act of being a dog. They will say, yes, uh, I'm going to put on my mask and I'm going to act as if I am a dog. Meanwhile, my wonderful husband is a dog. When he puts on the mask of a pup, he just acts like himself. Even more. It, it, it's, he doesn't act differently when he puts on the mask. He just acts like himself. It is wonderful. Darling, do not let anyone change who you are because I who you are is wonderful. I don't plan on it. I plan on being a prey train if someone tells me otherwise. But you get out of my way. Good. So, you know how every president has a dog in the White House? Yes. You will be my dog in the White House. And then we'll get a dog named Isabel. Of course we will. A Labrador puppy! A Labrador puppy! 
Yes. It'll be eight by the time we leave the lighthouse. Oh, that would be so cute. we'll get two turns. Of course we will. Darling, if we just start giving people everything they need, and we solve the national debt, and <laughs> we uh, solve world hunger, and we solve world peace, and we solve the climate crisis, the, pollu <laughs> the pollution crisis, if we, if we do all of these things in our first term, do you think they won't vote for us again? Yes. I, 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 of course they will. And then I'll run for president afterwards, and then we'll get, <laughs> we'll get, we'll get eight, we'll get 16 years, absolutely. We'll do the Clinton thing, but we'll do it for real. And we'll do it much better than the Clintons ever did. Well, see, see, here's the thing. I know this will offend you, my dear, but stick with me. I am not trying to offend you. I am trying to help you, okay? Yes. You are, and stick with me, please, please don't just immediately get out your knife and stab me, okay? <laughs> stick with me on this. You are the Hillary Clinton to my Bill Clinton. I can live with that. Because, because. Oh, so you're telling me that I'm, the, that I'm an intellectual as well? Yes, oh my God, yes, you are an intellectual, but Bill Clinton was an idiot. Who lies? Let me speak, please! Yes. Bill Clinton was an excellent communicator. Yes! Hillary Clinton could not communicate herself out of a paper bag. No, she couldn't. But what if Bill Clinton had spent his eight years in the White House teaching Hillary Clinton how to be a good public speaker? That happened. No, it is not! Darling, she is still a terrible public... He is a terrible public speaker. Yeah, good point. Oh, my... Pokemon, go to the pole. Oh, my God. I could sit... I, I, I would love... Miss Clinton, if you ever listen to this podcast, I would love to sit down with you for one hour and teach you how to be a better communicator. Because, according to your staff, according to everyone who knows you, according to Bill Clinton himself, you are excellent one-on-one -on -one with people, but every person on earth can see how terrible that you are in front of cameras. Please, Miss Clinton, I am a YouTuber, I am an educator, I am a scientist, I am an economist. I would love to teach you how to communicate your ideas about public policy in a way that someone who is not a scientist and an educator and an economist can understand. Please, Miss Clinton, I am begging you. All right, you're going to want to turn left. Turn left. Turn left. Turn left. Dear. Thank you. Oh, my God. I know you were distracted by seeing the shiny equipment, my dear. But we are not going to go up close to a federal piece of equipment that is exceptionally expensive, dear. Okay. Now, we're going to end the podcast episode there. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you to my long-suffering husband for putting up with my loud and obnoxious voice. I greatly appreciate him and everything that he does for me and for our country. I salute him! Labrador, the first of his names, not the, but not the last. Labrador. Thank you very much for listening. And if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. 
And if you're watching this on one of your favorite podcast platforms, please make sure to leave a review. And we will see you next time.